Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the book of Romans with this message entitled, You Are What You Think. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Deliver us, O Lord, from our arrogance. Humble ourselves, O Lord. Help us to humble ourselves. Lord, help us to learn from your scripture what is the mind of a pagan and what is the mind of a Christian. Help us to learn who is a Christian and who is not a Christian. Have mercy upon them and have mercy upon us that we may be true people of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we read about Stephen. And he was stoned to death, sir. Tell me, what was his problem? Why did they stone him to death, sir? He preached the gospel. He preached the Bible, sir. As you hear the word of God preached, there is something rises up within you. Not only against God and against his word, but also against his servant. Something that rises. If that is true, then you are a pagan. You are not a Christian, sir. And call upon the name of the Lord that you may be saved. You have come to the right church that will make you uncomfortable, if needs be. Or make you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so we turn to the book of Romans as we continue to study this great gospel. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, says this. There are only two classes of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. That is my translation. Do your will and go to hell. There is no other group. Either people will do the will of God gladly. In response to the great salvation. Or they will do their own will. So Romans 8 speaks about the absolute certainty. Of the final salvation of those in whom the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled. That is those who live according to the spirit, Holy Spirit. Not according to the flesh. The assurance of salvation belongs only to God's holy people. Only they shall see God. Romans 8, 5 through 8 contrasts two classes of people. God-centered and self-centered. Flesh-directed people and Holy Spirit-controlled people. Unbelievers or believers. Christians or pagans. No one can be neutral. 
Either one loves God or one hates God. There is radical difference between the two classes of people. Friends, you are here by divine appointment. Examine yourselves and see which category you belong. It is my prayer that you belong to the class of God's holy people. Who have experienced a supernatural change in their life. Bad tree must become good tree to bear good fruit. Wolves must become sheep. Only God is able to change our natures. Thank God he still saves sinners. And make them saints of God. So two points. First, the mind of unbelievers. When Paul uses the word mind or think, we can say it is not just intellectual activity. You can say the heart. This thinking involves not just intellect, but will and affections. The whole attitude of the heart. Keep that in mind. And I want to speak seven things about unbeliever, a non-Christian. And as I speak, you examine your own life in the light of what I am saying. And if you are an unbeliever, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender to Jesus Christ and be saved. First, the nature of an unbeliever. They are described here as katasarka. Hogar katasarka pontes tatesarkos fronusen. Katasarka, speaking about the very nature of an unbeliever. Those according to the flesh. They follow the promptings and surrender to the control of flesh. What is flesh? Flesh is human nature under sin's total control, untouched by the mighty Holy Spirit. Unbelievers are sin's slaves. Unbelievers are corrupted. Directed and controlled by sin and Satan. They are bad trees. They are wolves. They are dead toward God. They live in sin. Dr. John Stott says, flesh is our fallen egocentric human nature. Unbelievers are in the sphere of flesh and live according to the dictates of fallen human nature. Therefore, they are against God, against Father, against Pastor, against the Bible. They are against, against, against everything that God is for. In Romans 5, Paul describes them as helpless, sinners, ungodly, and enemies of God. 
Number two, they think the things of the flesh. And the Greek word tells us they do so continually. Phronusin. What is our mindset? Our mindset reveals our basic nature. What are we continually focused on? Devoted to, striving for, thinking about. When Paul says unbelievers continually think the things of the flesh, he is not speaking simply of their intellectual activity. Thinking here encompasses all of one's faculties, mind, will, and affections. Unbelievers are preoccupied and engrossed in sinning. They come to church and meet with people of the church, but their mind is, can I find somebody to commit sexual immorality with? Unbelievers are preoccupied and engrossed in sinning. They pursue the things of this world they are totally taken up with. Buying and selling and planting and harvesting and building and marrying and giving in marriage. They are like the people of Noah's days. They had no time for God or God's voice about his destruction of the world. They are also like the people of Sodom. They hate God. They do not think about their salvation or heaven. They say, let us eat and drink and fornicate. Tomorrow we die. I just added the fornication part. I think it is uh, still true. Their thinking is characterized by godlessness. They are narcissistic, atheistic, hedonistic, and Satan-directed automatons. They are what they think. Scripture says, for us, he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thinking defines who we are. And out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. Unbeliever does not think of truth, God, heaven, eternal life, righteousness, love, everlasting joy, or eternal judgment. Like Mrs. Lot, he gives himself to worldliness. And Apostle John in 1 John 2 describes the man of the world, the unbeliever. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its lusts pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. Thinking the things of the flesh also means taking the side of Satan, not of righteousness. Unbeliever stands against God 
He's on the side of sin and Satan. Sir, he is not double-minded. He is single-minded in his devotion to sin and to the service of Satan. He wholeheartedly seeks first, seeks first, seek ye first, and he seeks first the kingdom of Satan. Sinning against God for his own illicit pleasure. Such people are idolaters. They worship and serve creation and hate the creator. They are materialistic. They do not receive spiritual things. They do not understand it. 1 Corinthians 2.14 They are philosophers, politicians, preachers, scientists, followers of various religions. They are also nominal Christians. They are art lovers. They are rich people. They are poor people. They are even very moral people. But their mind is on earthly things. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Their mind is focused only on the things of the flesh. With their mind they exchange the truth for a lie. And you read about him. In Romans 1, 28 through 32 and Romans 3, 9 through 18. Let me read to you from Colossians 3, 5 through 8. Earthly things. Their mind is focused on earthly things. Put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Earthly things. What is it? Sexual immorality, impurity, lost evil desires, greed which is idolatry because of these the wrath of God is coming you used to walk in these ways in in the life you once lived but now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these anger rage malice slander and filthy language from your lips for galatians 5:19 through 21 The unbeliever's mind is focused on this thing. The works of the flesh are obvious. It's not mysterious, it's obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. And then the American sins, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Oh, you say, I don't do sexual immorality, but... I have selfish ambition. I major in dissensions and factions. And I major in envy. Drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You remember the fool whose field brought such abundant crops. And what did he say? I will build a bigger barn and store everything in it and I live for a long time. See the mind focused on the things of this earth. Bigger house, bigger cars, bigger everything. Bigger, bigger, bigger. And then you invite me so I can see all these things. And I would say, wow. 
and you feel so big. <laughs> well, look at the rich man of Luke 16. He lived all his life in sumptuous living, dressed in purple. Never in his life he thought about God or heaven. And he wound up in hell. And he started thinking about heaven. Now it's too late. What are you thinking? What are you devoted to? What is filling your heart? What are you planning? For what are you spending your time, money and energies? What are you talking about? As you think, so are you. You are what you think. Based on your thinking, you go to hell or heaven. Number three, mind of the flesh, Thanatos, death. The unbeliever's mind is death. The mentality, outlook, and philosophy of an unbeliever, an unregenerate, is death. His last name is death. And maybe your last name is death. He's Joe Brown death. Sheila Brown death. An unbeliever is death walking, driving, laughing, eating, working, celebrating. It's a scary sight. It is a sorry sight. Look at your mother, father, brother, sister, children and friends. If they are not true believers, they are death, God says. They stink. Wages of sin is death. If you are a believer and your husband is an unbeliever, you are living with death. He cannot make himself alive. He does not want to. He loves death. He loves hell. He loves this world. And look at the dead man's heart. For from within out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Moses said in Genesis 5, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. He is under sin, under death, under Satan, under condemnation. He is Mr. Death looking forward to death eternal. Oh, he dresses nicely. He does all that to impress Pastor Matthew, I never get impressed. I can smell a stinking person. He's dead walking about. And no pastor who believes in the Bible will be impressed by death walking in $5,000 suit. That's the shroud that envelops you. And you want to pretend that you are somebody. You speak to him about his soul, eternal life, Jesus Christ, Bible. He's dead. He does not understand anything. He comes to church, but he understands nothing. He's bored to death. 
He's restless, he sleeps, he yawns. He looks this direction and that direction. It's, oh, it is such a terrible. Now my question is, why do you torture yourself? <laughs> By going to church. And Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 tells us, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and what's our thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. His total life direction is death. He writes books. Those books are against God. As a fool every day he says in his heart there is no God. And he goes about sinning more. Number four. For the mind of the flesh is enmity against God. The mind of the flesh is death because it is enmity against God. An unbeliever is not neutral to God. He is an enemy of God. That kind very moral professor. You speak to him about his true condition, that he's a sinner, he is without God, without hope. He must repent, you tell him, of his sins against God and trust in Jesus Christ and in his atonement, that he must read the Bible and receive wisdom. All of a sudden, the nice, moral, kind man fumes. Smoke comes through his mouth and other orifices. He reveals his true nature, sir. He is an enemy of God and Christ. He is an enemy of the saints of God. All nominal Christians are enemies of God. They are against God and against those who preach the Bible. They stone prophets and kill apostles. They crucified Christ. Religious people who are not true believers are the most dangerous types of people in the world. Religious people, sir, who are not true believers. I am never opposed by true believers, but nominalists oppose me vehemently for preaching the Bible way of life. They are like Ahab. He hates Micaiah, the true prophet of God. I hate him. He never says anything good about me. They are like Jezebel. She hates Elijah. Unbelievers' mind is hostile to God, the Bible, and his holy church. You read about Stephen. He was stoned to death. Why did they do it? He spoke about the true God and his son, Jesus Christ. So Paul says in Colossians 1.21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Enmity against God reveals their total depravity. But God is against them. The wrath of God is revealed against them. So friends, the essence of sin is enmity against God. David confessed against thee, thee only have I sinned. When you sin, you you show your enmity to God. How? By violating his Holy loss. Number five. 
An unbeliever being an enemy of God does not submit to God's law. The word hupotasso, submit. That Greek word has to do with the soldier submitting to the orders of his commanding officer. The soldier is under the commanding officer. The under person always abouts the person who is over him in the army. But sinner refuses to acknowledge the rights of his creator God. He being an enemy at heart transgresses God's law daily and receives great delight in it. When God says thou shalt not, the sinner says I shall. I will do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do. Who are you to tell me how I should live? I am under sin's control, Satan's control, not under your control. I am in Satan's army. I do not take orders from you. Number six. He does not submit to God's law because he is not able who do not die, not able. Total depravity produces moral inability. Total depravity and moral inability go hand in hand. The sinner is an enemy of God. He does not obey God. He cannot. He is dead. He is unable to obey God. Friends, an unbeliever, maybe your husband, your mother, it doesn't matter, your children, an unbeliever is dead. Be serious about that. He is totally in the grip of sin, death, and Satan. He is a slave. He can only sin. Number seven, he cannot please God. The purpose of human life is to please God. How do we please God? We please God by obeying God, by knowing and doing his will. And we find out his will by reading the Bible, the very word of God. As we noted already, the sinful man, the dead man, the enemy of God, the disobedient man, the morally incompetent man cannot please God. Nor father, nor mother, nor pastor. He makes God angry every day unless the Holy Spirit set him free from the law of sin and death. The sinner remains dead, enemy of God, disobedient and morally powerless. The sinner can only please himself by pleasing Satan whose orders he perfectly obeys. Point number two, the mind of a Christian and we will go through it quickly. First, his nature, it is described, kata pneuma, according to the spirit. That is, he is under the authority of the Holy Spirit. He lives in the spirit and behaves according to the Holy Spirit's direction. He is a kata pneuma man. His, His life is conditioned and patterned after the Holy Spirit. He is habitually dominated by the Holy Spirit. He is daily led by the Spirit because the law of the Spirit of life 
set him free from the law of sin and death. He was in the flesh. He once walked Katasarka. He was dead. He was an enemy of God. He was disobedient. He was totally depraved. He was morally incompetent. But all that changed. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. He is regenerated. He is a new creation. He is indwelt by the Spirit. He is empowered by the Spirit. He is taught by the Spirit. This is true of every true Christian, not just some super Christians. He surrenders to the control of the Spirit who resides in him as boss. Number two, he thinks the things of the Spirit. He meditates upon God's word in which he delights. His food is to do the will of God and to finish it. His eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, his commanding officer. He walks in step with his Lord who said to him, deny yourself, take up the cross daily and follow me. He's a disciple of Jesus. He thinks the things of the spirit. Holy Spirit reveals to him the glorious Christ in the pages of the Bible. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think Christ. He deliberately, freely sets his mind on what the Holy Spirit desires. He sets his face like flint to do God's will. He sees the one thing needful with an undivided heart. Jesus was always minding the things of God. He resisted the devil and obeyed his father saying, it is written. His mind was focused on the mind of God. He came to fulfill God's law and please him only. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42 we read they devoted themselves, the believers, daily to the apostles' doctrine, sir. What are you thinking? What are you thinking, sir? Your thinking defines you. Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 14. Listen to this St. Paul's life now. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, sir, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He wanted to know Christ. Christ, sir, Christ should fill your mind. 
And then number three, the mind of the spirit is life and peace. First life. Majority of Christians are not regenerate. They are nominal Christians as dead pagans. They are like plastic flowers looking good from a distance. These nominalists are good at simulation. True Christians being born of the spirit enjoys eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God through Jesus Christ. You cannot receive eternal life and go away from God. It doesn't work that way. Eternal life is relational. It exists in union and communion with God. Eternal life is like love. Love exists between people. You have to have at least one person to practice love. That's why God said it is not good for man to be alone. Or a woman to be alone. God is love because the three persons of the Godhead love one another. Eternal life cannot exist except in union and communion with God and God's holy people. So-called nominalists say, you know, I love God, but I don't love you. You are wicked. You are a pagan. You are a nominalist. Adam killed us, but Christ gives us life eternal. He came to give us life, abundant life. Not only that, the mind of the spirit is peace. God in Jesus Christ forgives our sins, friends, and reconciles us to himself. We were his enemies, and he was our enemy. Now, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Forgiveness that does not lead to reconciliation and peace is a false forgiveness. Think about it, sir. Thank God we have peace with God, and God is at peace with us. So we are in his presence. Hallelujah. The prodigal son was forgiven. So he did not remain outside as a hired hand. He came inside as father's son. He was at peace with his father. This peace is the antithesis of the misery sin created in our life. No more hiding. Are you hiding? No more hiding. No more fear. No more guilt. No more punishment. Peace with God. Peace, perfect peace. Isaiah says, the wicked is like the restless sea. But the wicked are like the tossing sea which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. We approach, thank God, the throne of grace with boldness. Peace, sir, peace. Jesus Christ calls the restless and weary and heavy laden to himself, he alone can give you rest. Lloyd-Jones says this, it is said that at the center of a hurricane, there is a point of complete rest. When we live in Christ, we experience that peace which passes all human reasoning. Though all around us, are troubles of every kind raging against us. The doctor said you have cancer and you may live only one month, three days. Hurricane. But in the center of it, the child of God rests 
in Christ. So St. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And Romans 8, Paul tells us nothing in all creation, neither death nor life, nothing in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Philip Doddridge, in his hymn, O Happy Day, says this, Now rest my long divided heart, fixed on this blissful center rest, Christ. With ashes, who would grudge to part? Then called on angels, bread to feast. Peace with God. Therefore, peace with God's people. Therefore, peace deep within. We enjoy such great peace within. No division, no anxiety, no fear. Number four, the mind of spirit loves God. God is not my enemy. I am not his enemy. God loved me and loves me. He proved his love to me when he spared me by not sparing his own son and gave him over to the death of the cross. So the spirit-filled person loves God and loves his people. Number five, we submit to God's law. St. Paul received apostleship to call the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. If anybody says you can receive Jesus as Savior and not as Lord, that man is from the pit. He has nothing to do with biblical understanding. St. Paul tells us, you have obeyed from the heart the form of teaching to which you have been entrusted. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The proof of your life and love is that you delight in God's law and eagerly obey. If you do not obey God's moral law, you are a pagan and an enemy of God. Your profession is false. Jesus Christ is not your Lord. He would say to you, depart, I do not know you, depart, you lawless ones. St. John says, this is love for God to obey his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. 1 Peter 2.21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. 1 John 2, 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. If you willfully, deliberately disobey God's law, you are not a Christian. I agree with Professor Gershner. He said a story about an old woman in a hospital, but refused to forgive somebody. It is the will of the Father that you forgive that person who asked forgiveness and you refuse, you are not a Christian. You cannot be a Christian. For God's people, God's commandments are not grievous. It is a delight. Number six, we are able, we have moral ability to obey God's commandments because we have a new nature, we have a new power. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We are now good tree. We are no longer wolves. We are sheep. 
And finally, number seven, we please God. That's our passion and purpose in life to know the will of God and do the will of God to please him. Romans 8, 4, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us because we walk after the spirit. Enoch walked with God and so he pleased God. Ask the question, how do we please God? We learn from Jesus who obeyed God actively and passively. He knew the will of God and he did it. Here, listen to what his father said. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When we fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, we please God. We honor God. When a worker obeys a boss, he pleases not only the boss, but God. When a child obeys parents, he pleases not just parents, but pleases God. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases God. Let me ask you a few things. You are what you are thinking. And don't come and tell me you don't think. You are thinking. You're always thinking. Either you think God's thoughts or thoughts of Satan. Either you are dead or you are alive. Either you obey God or you obey sin. Either you are depraved and morally incompetent. Or you are godly and morally able to obey God and please him. Heart is deceitful. Heart is wicked. It is dead toward God. But thank God. He raises the dead. Because of his great love and rich mercy. For wicked sinners like us. Spirit of the living God. Let there be a new Pentecost. A new outpouring of the spirit. Raise the spiritually dead. That they think your thoughts and love your law and do your holy will. Truly, friends, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Help us, your saints, to love you and delight in your holy will now and forevermore. Friends, as I said, there are two classes. And they are represented here. Saints of God rejoice. That God showed such great mercy to you. That you think God's thoughts. And do what pleases him. And those who are still outside Christ. There is a Christ who is here. Who is able to save you. From your sins. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us. To think your thoughts today. To honor you, O God. To do your will of God. May it be our passion to know the will of God and do it. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, You Are What You Think. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.